Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we use the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions that you guys send in with your tips supporting the channel, which we are very thankful for. However, we usually don't have enough time to get to all the questions that get sent in, but I want to make sure you guys don't have to wait too long to get those questions answered. So we gather up the unused questions and we address them here on companion videos. And it's always a good day when Kimberly Curran is in the house with us. Kimberly, how are you doing? Thank you for being here. Hey, John, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, we got a lot to get through today, guys. So let's not waste any time and let's get right to it. Kimberly, what are we starting with? All righty. This is coming from the Wakandan Forever. He says, the only question I ever thought was hard is, do I like Kirk or do I like Picard? Oh, I this. It's clear I'm just white and nerdy. Can't you see? I'm white and nerdy. Look at me. I'm white and nerdy. It is time to bust out the Weird Al hoodie, John. LOL. Look at me so white and nerdy. Yeah, of course, I've got my white and nerdy uh, hoodie. One of the best Weird Al Yankovic songs of all time. The only thing that I find hard is, do I like Kirk or do I like Picard? They see me rolling. <laughs> yeah, anyway. It is a one of the all-time great Weird Al Yankovic songs. I love that song very, very much. And I love that hoodie, by the way. All right, what's next? The facility guy says, I'm back. My theater is no longer an AMC, but I digress. I watched every episode of Mandalorian season two on a big screen nice. as I felt it deserved big screen viewings. I don't feel that way about WandaVision. I like WandaVision, but it feels like a TV show, which isn't bad. No, I totally get what you're saying. Like with, with Mandalorian, it's it the scope is a little bit more epic. You got space battles and different exotic landscapes and all that kind of stuff. And it feels like it is a little bit more uh, lends itself to being more of a big screen experience. WandaVision is more structured like a show. And it is, you know, as far as the visuals go, it's very much in a city, in a town, pretty much the same thing. So I know I, I totally get what you're saying. That's not a knock on WandaVision whatsoever. I totally get what you're saying. All right, what's next? Matt Murdoch says, not sure where to go with this, but do you think Wanda has a connection slash undying love for Vision based off of her early encounter with the Mind Stone? Is there a connection there? You know what? That's not a bad theory. Because, I mean, look, end of the day, with all the trauma she's had, she still looks like Elizabeth Olsen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She is not needing to swipe left a lot. On on the apps to try to find a date. And she ends up with a very expensive sex toy. I mean, he is a walking toaster. I mean, it, I mean, it's all due respect to Vision. What was the $30 billion? But he worth $30 billion. That's, that gets you a lot of service right there. That gets you a lot of service. So, I mean, so why fall in love with him? And besides... The guy is as poetic as Shakespeare. He's what is so grief if poetic. not love persevering? God. I mean, besides I need that T-shirt now. And besides the fact that he looks like Paul Bettany, right? Um, uh, but maybe I don't know. Do you ever find it weird that she's like so in love with this robot? But do you think there's something to that whole Mindstone thing? You know what? That's an interesting observation because that uh, wow, good mm, good call, Matt. Because when episode what were we on we're on eight when um the mind stone broke and became yellow and she saw that i guess it was a vision of her you know it was the silhouette of herself there was a connection that we haven't seen with everyone else and the stones and i was like that's a pretty specific 
connection. It's almost like that's the stone a great observation. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Thought, Matt. I had never even thought of that. Let's see what they do with that in episode nine. All right. What's next? Actually, anonymous says John. I know you can't trust me, but I'm close to a source that confirmed Michael Keaton will reprise his role in Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm working on a feature with Michael involved, and the director let that slip, LOL. Believe it or not, but interesting. Uh, Well, I mean, it's not really all that far-fetched, to be honest with you. I've heard other people suggest the same thing. I mean, realistically, Michael Keaton has already appeared in that universe. We know that he's appearing in Morbius as well, apparently as the same character. So him showing up in Spider-Man No Way Home is really not all that inconceivable. And again, there have been some whispers out there about that. So I would believe it. I would totally believe it. All right. What's next? Bojack says, hi, John. You've said that any Oscar winners this year will have an asterisk for you. But the Hollywood Reporter said there will be 366 films eligible for Best Picture, the most in 50 years, aside from blockbuster movies that don't usually get. Hold on. This is a two-parter that don't usually get. And it's a two-parter that's not... Okay. Nominated for Best Picture. Anyway, it doesn't seem like there are any potential nominees left out. Do you still feel that there should be an asterisk for this year? And is it because so many blockbuster movies got pushed? Thanks and happy birthday. Ah, yeah. A lot of eligible films. Guess what? They completely changed their rules for eligibility this year. Go back. That was one of the big stories heading in like in 2020 that they completely revamped their eligibility rules specifically for the year in question. Look, it is just too much of an upheaval year. That's why I think the best thing for them to do is just postpone the Oscars until next year. Take all the qualifying films from this year and put them in competition next year. Does that mean there will be an overabundance of competition for that year? Yes, but I'd rather there be an overabundance of competition than an underabundance of competition. And yeah, big impressive looking numbers, but again, that's just because they changed the eligibility rules. If nothing else tells us about the fact that this is such a different year, an exceptional year, that alone should do it. So that's my thoughts on that. All right, what's next? Luke says, I love that this episode offered just a little bit of redemption for Wanda. What I mean is that she's still responsible for continuing the hex, but created it by a tragic accident and didn't actually steal Vision's body. What are your thoughts on that? I I see what you're saying. I get it. We love Wanda. We want to justify her actions. But the bottom line is this. She has imprisoned and hijacked the lives of a ton of people against their will who are constantly in pain, tears coming out of their eyes. That whole thing's also Wanda can live in her fantasy. I get it. The show does a great job of of showing it off as that this is a result of pain. This is a result of grief, not a result of evil motives or anything. I get that. But at the end of the day, did you see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? I did. Okay, so at the end of the day, though, what Wanda is really doing here is no different from what Kingpin was trying to do in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He wanted his life back, and he didn't care how it negatively affected other people. Now, Mm -hmm. what Kingpin was doing in that may have destroyed the world. Yeah. That's not the case here, but it's still similar in that way. Mm -hmm. And so... I get it, but no, at the end of the day, she's doing something horrible. She's doing something absolutely horrible, even though we get where she's coming from. And that, I contend, is part of the brilliance of the show. All right, what's next? Josh M. says, hi, John and Anne, with no E. 
Yeah. I'm starting to think Bettany was playing a joke and the person he always wanted to act with was himself. And we will see vision versus vision. I know you think the kids will die, but I think the reincarnation storyline will be too much for the average MCU viewer. Instead, I think Agatha will get the upper hand in a witch versus witch battle and the boys will age up again to save Wanda. Wiccan is one of the coolest gay heroes and I don't see Disney killing him off. He's also one of the very few. He's also one. But are they really killing him off if he was never real in the first place? I mean, that's that's are they really killing him off if he was never real in the first place? So there's that. They also could give us a four a little bit of foresight into what may be coming in the MCU a little bit later. So, and listen, a lot of people have been writing with the joke. So the actor he's always wanted to work with is himself. Hey, listen, I still believe, I don't know, but I still believe there was a big cameo coming in the final episode. Maybe yes, maybe no, but I don't think, uh, I don't think Paul Bettany was talking about himself. He might've been trolling us, but I don't think he was talking about himself. All right, what's next? Keegan L. says, hey, John, first time sending in a question. Been watching since the AMC days. Thank you, Keegan. Wanda, WandaVision's Twitter account posted today and said two episodes left. Since they're promoting episode eight in the same tweet, does that mean we get more WandaVision? I don't think so. I think that's reading a little bit too into it. It might have just been a timing thing as well. I can get asking. Listen, there have been rumors about a secret 10th episode, and those are rumors that have been persisting. I'm not going to say it's impossible there is a secret 10th episode. I, I'm, I'm, I don't believe there is. I don't believe there is. But it's possible. Wouldn't it be a kick to see at the end of episode nine? It's like, wait, you can't end like this. It says returning next week. And then there's like one more. That would be pretty cool. I'm not anticipating that, but it would be interesting if they did. All right, what's next? Suthia says, at the end of Ultron, when WandaVision is talking to the last drone, he says... When Vision, excuse me, is talking to the last drone, he says they somehow think order and chaos are opposites and try to control what won't be. Perfectly sums up WandaVision. Wanda's chaos creating her perfectness out of delusion and denial. Suthius, the thing is, there are so many levels, including the one you just pointed out that really make this a remarkable show. And and they do things on different levels of emotion and grief, but also like, you know, the dichotomies like that is what they introduce. And by the way, Ultron is a movie that I think people don't remember right. Because the more I go back and watch that movie, I like it more and more. I mean, it's it had a couple of quirky things about it, yes, but the more I watch it, include that last scene with Vision and Ultron, at the end, super good. Anyway, I'm glad you brought that up. All right, what's next? Gone in 60 ounces says, tech question. You put a lot of thought into the equipment you use to produce high quality audio and video for this show. Among all of your equipment, which one would Wanda most likely bang? <laughs> of course, going back to the thing, she likes her high price. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, uh, Felipe, the sentient dancing microphone, because, you know, he's got a consciousness. He dances, he sings, he's a triple threat. That's the one he's going with. She's going with, I should say. All right, what's next? Big Will says, hey, John, happy B-Day. I was wondering why the movie The Brothers, starring Morris Chestnut, Gabrielle Union, never got a sequel made. It was a good film and made more than four times its budget. Should they make a sequel or let it be like Love and Basketball? Now, I might be thinking of the wrong one. I'm, I'm thinking of 
Hold a second. The, Such the, a good movie. I'm, I'm, I think I'm thinking of the wrong I movie. believe Shamar Moore is in that, too. Are we talking about the, the 2001 yeah, film? Um, well, the brothers yeah, no, was no, yeah, yeah, Shamar Moore. D.L. Hewley. Yeah, uh, that was a really good movie. Yes, that was a really good movie. Um, the reality is this. It didn't have the best reception. It didn't have the best reception. It was really low budget, but when you say four times its thing, however, that doesn't take into account, remember, marketing, uh, the P&L costs, all that kind of stuff. So I'm not even sure if at the end of the day, if it even broke even. Let me look up something here. Uh, the Brothers, it was 2001, right? Um, so. uh, box office. Let me just bring this up quickly. So The Brothers made 26 million or $27 million at the box office. Made for about a $10 million budget. You got to figure they probably spent a good $10 million to market it. Probably a little bit more than that. So, and then with a theatrical cut was probably around 7 or $8 million. So the movie probably broke even. The movie probably broke even. Now, if we're talking about a movie that broke even at $300 million, breaking even will still be very lucrative for a studio to go ahead and try a sequel. When you're talking about a movie that roughly broke even at around... 30 million or less, that incentive isn't really there. Not to mention your actors are probably going to want to have pay increases going into that. So I, I think that probably would explain that. That's my best guess. All right. What's next? This is coming from Sparky shall get his revenge. Happy birthday, John. Now we know not just Agatha will hurt kids, but puppies. Yeah. I hope the surprise cameo will be John Wick to kick her witch's broom. Yeah, I mean, the, the <laughs> amount of memes I have seen online regarding <laughs> kill the dog, John Wick coming in. One of the huge things, of course, but but that's a meme that's been going around quite a week. And I love that username. Sparky shall get his revenge. I like that. Justice for Sparky. All right, what's next? Daniel Luna says, what is grief if not love persevering? I could be reading so much into this, but to me, that's when Wanda realizes that vision is more than just a machine. I absolutely love that scene. Over under 5%, we hear White Vision's voice as Ultrons. Love the show, John. I go well over 5%. I don't think it's likely, but I, I, I would take well over 5% that we, when we hear White Vision finally speak, that it's the voice of James Spader, who of course did the voice of Ultron. So again, I would go under 50. I don't think it's likely, but I would take well over five. Now, of course, that would, however, take away from the extra level of drama that if Wanda's got to kill this vision, who looks like her vision and sounds like her vision, that takes away from more of the really effed upness of all this and how it's going to really, you know, be more tragic to her as well. But yeah, I think there's definitely a solid possibility we could hear Ultron's voice, James Spader, coming out of uh, that vision carcass. So we'll see. All right, what's next? The Wakandan Forever says, happy birthday to you. How old, John? What kind of cake? Favorite present you got? Chocolate, vanilla, strawberry ice cream? Favorite birthday meal? We need to know, John. LOL, enjoy yourself and rest up. You'll see Wakanda in the Wanda Vision discussion. The funny thing is, I so my wife, Ann, mm -hmm. for my birthday, now my wife, Ann, just started working with Apple. So she she's now, oh, nice. uh, yeah, she just started uh, working with Apple. So she thought it would be a really good idea to get me an Apple iWatch. Oh, cool. Which is a wonderful, I really do like smart. I got, I got myself a Samsung one right here. I, I love it a lot. Mm. So when I open the box and there's an, I, an iWatch in it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, 
I really like try that. I hear good thing about iWatches. I'll give it a shot. What I didn't know, as soon as I turned on, it says, place beside your iPhone. I'm an Android guy. <laughs> and it kept saying, place beside your iPhone. And I'm like, look around. How do you get this thing connect to an iPhone? And apparently they don't just naturally connect with, with uh, Android phones. Oh. And so I can't use it. You need an extra app or something? Or, or there's some kind of app there... you have to do to your oh, device really? or whatever. And I'm like, oh, so, bummer. okay. So I won't be using the iWatch, uh, uh, which is unfortunate, but that uh, that's kind of a little story about my birthday present. It's it's the thought that counts. It is the thought that absolutely counts. It was a wonderful thought. All right, what's next? Anonymous says, hello, John and Anne. If Wanda made her version of Vision with her magic, how was Hayward able to track her version of, Wis- of Vision's decaying vibranium? Is that just a plot hole or did Wanda's magic create vibranium? Okay, so we've answered this before, mm. but here's the thing. When you go inside the hex, that uh, modern day car that gets turned into a 1950s car, inside the hex, that is as real of a 1950s car as you could. You wouldn't be able to perceive any difference. It is a 1950s car. Inside the hex, it's a 1950s car. I believe that when she created Vision, it's the same principle. He's vibranium. And if he is vibranium inside the hex, then he can be tracked. At least his vibranium inside the hex. The moment he steps outside of the hex, of course, he can't exist there. And his most powerful metal on Earth becomes as crusty and flaky as a pastry. You know, and it just starts to flake away and it gets sucked back in. So I believe inside the hex, it is as real as real gets, but outside the hex, it can't exist. That's my theory on it anyway. All right, what's next? Jordi Casals says, what if the Luke Skywalker level cameo is actually Mark Hamill playing Mephisto, Nightmare, or someone else? That is surely Skywalker level. Well, this has come up a number of times because in one of the animated uh, series, their character Nightmare was there. And guess who voiced him? Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill did the voice of Nightmare. Now, I do not expect that that's what they're doing here at all, but you're not the only one to think about that, Jordy. So you're thinking along the same lines as a lot of other people, too. All right, what's next? Daniel Luna says, happy birthday, John. And if you're reading this, not on your birthday, happy late birthday. Well, thank you. Hope you have a great time. I'm sure you will or did because it was game day. (laughs) So I guess the mailman was really just a pizza delivery guy, huh? I'm still thinking, I don't know what you think. I still think there's something more to the mailman. You do? Like It showed him when, you know. He's the guy in there delivering pizza. Yeah. Just because we see that, no character can be summed up in one frame that we see them in. I still think there's something a little bit. Now, I'm not saying he's Nightmare or Mephisto or anything like that. But I just, I feel like there's a little bit more, just a little bit more to him. And we'll find that out in episode nine. I don't know. What do you think the chances are? Do you think there could be something more to him or what? No, I don't think there's something more to him. You think that's it? What we see is what we get? Yeah, I do. You're probably right. You guys are probably right, but we'll see. We'll see. What's next? Miguel Zion said, hey, John, I think I know one of the reasons why MCU does a lot of fake death stuff. Isn't it because their characters are always their priority and not specialty? Not just from a storytelling standpoint, but also for brand marketing and loyalty. Let's see what else he has to say here. 
whenever Feige or some other official at Marvel is asked about what makes them unique and special, they always say it's about characters. Maybe that's why they wait a long time before really killing them off, because they're waiting for the audience to be... Ah. Just above Robert B. Here we go. I got you, bro. I got you. I got you. To be invested in the new characters they introduce before they replace slash kill off their current ones. I know this might be from a corporate business point of view, and I know it's not an excuse for lowered stakes, but they fight. They might want fans to keep tuning in. Thoughts? No. See, here's the problem. I got no problem. I got no problem if they don't want to kill off their characters. My complaint with the MCU and their fake deaths is not that they don't kill off their characters. It's just that they 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 constantly orchestrate these fake deaths. Just don't orchestrate a fake death. If you don't want to kill off Loki, that's fine. Don't kill off Loki. Don't keep pretending like Loki dies. If you don't want to kill off Nick Fury, that's fine. Don't pretend like Nick Fury dies. If you don't... You know, if you don't want to kill off Spider-Man, that's fine. Don't pretend that Spider-Man dies. Like, that's the part. So I, I get why they don't want to kill off their characters. It's just that when you fake death characters so many times, you lose emotional investment. So, like, because I now know the MCU always fake deaths, when a character dies, I don't feel it emotionally. It can be a very good scene. But, like, when, you know, going back to Infinity War... As Tom Holland was dying, he's like, I don't want to go, Mr. Stark. Oh, that was a great scene. It is. It's a great scene. But whereas there were some people in the audience that were kind of like teary-eyed, I'm like, hey, he's, he's going to be back in like, give him 15 minutes. He'll be back. Even when Tony Stark dies and everybody in the audience says, oh, Tony, give, it, give him six months. Give him a year. Give him two years. Whatever. He's going to be back. So you don't feel it. Like one of my favorite shows, Sons of Anarchy. Uh -huh. When my favorite character in that show died, when my favorite character, Opie, dies, it hit me like a cement brick oh, man. because I know he's dead. I know we just actually, as an audience and the characters, we just had a loss and there's no going back on it and he's not coming back. And because of that finality, because those stakes and those consequences are real, when that happened, mm -hmm. I was gutted mm. i was absolutely gutted when he died with the mcu you don't feel that you don't feel that because you know they don't stay dead you know they're about to be back if they're even dead at all and so the the mcu movies are marvelous and fantastic and super entertaining and i love them my, my one quip with them has always been the fake deaths and it's not about their refusal to kill characters it's about constantly using the same routine of oh no everybody look they died uh -huh, just kidding they didn't die and that's the part that really gets me anyway that's just my take all right what's next okay this is coming from rob sorry palisades kid 808 he says my god my god while it's been said before elizabeth olsen and paul bettany are amazing and their performances in wandavision are stellar that avenger that avengers compound flashback scene in episode eight was so moving and bittersweet it was more than just moving it like that one line alone the the what is grief but love persevering it's the line of the year I mean that's that's the line from a movie of the year. That I mean that's it. You're gonna you're gonna be hard pressed for any moment in television to be as sweet as that moment 
was. And the whole scene was great. It really humanized the character. And here's why else it was important. Hmm. Because all through WandaVision, we're just expected to know and understand and accept that Wanda is madly in love with Vision. But they never actually took time out to remind the audience of that affection, of that love. All we've seen is the charade in the hex. And for them to cut away to that, I believe they're setting us up to feel her loss all the more deeply, just like it did at the end of the episode when she screams out in pain because we just saw the realness of it. And I I can't speak for you, Kimberly, but for me, Mm -hmm. that's what took it to... If that scene wasn't there, the inside the compound, then while the final scene of her dropping to her knees and screaming in pain still would have been moving... I yeah. contend it wouldn't be have been nearly as moving if we hadn't seen. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I totally agree. And it's funny because that scene was obviously it fit right in, you know, right before Infinity War. But like, I remember watching Infinity War. And when I saw them in the hotel and she was like calling him by a nickname. Hey, Viz. I was like, oh, so they're a thing. Right. Okay. Like I, I was because that scene was not in Civil War, you right. know. And so... I needed this scene to kind of show because they the actors do such a good job of yeah. of just expressing their love to the point where you're like, oh, she loves him for real, for real. But the like that scene really helped me to go back and be like, okay, now I remember when he gets stabbed in Infinity War and the way she was fighting for him and going, now you're making sense of the relationship for me in a deeper way. And I needed that. Yeah, I think a lot of us did. All right, what's next? Robert B says, there was yellow that came out of Wanda when she made Hex Vision. We sure that's not the Infinity Stone power bringing back the real vision? Also, I think Hex Vision will take over White Vision body to get out of Hex. There's two problems with that. There, there are two problems with that. Number one, yeah, that's that's a fake artificial vision. Even Vision inside the Hex is starting to realize he's not the real Vision. Uh, so, so there's that. The theory I've heard from a number of people that what if she's going to be able to merge her version of Vision, which isn't the real Vision, he's gone. That's why we got that scene, I can't feel you, he's really gone. But maybe she'll be able to merge this version of Vision in with the body of this white Vision. That's been a common thing. There is one significant problem with that, and that is this. Spider-Man Far From Home, which takes place seven months after the events of WandaVision, clearly states in it that Vision's dead. Vision's dead. He's not still around. He's not walking around. He's not on S.H.I.E.L.D.'s radar. They say in the movie that he is dead. Not to mention, it also contradicts the whole thing about the tragedy of Wanda Maximoff. If you give her this, ah, smiley, happy ending and stuff like that. So mainly because of that, the, the one, the Spider-Man reference, but that's why I don't think they're going to go that route. Never say never, though. Kevin Feige may come up with some other machination to make it happen. Maybe. But that's why right now I kind of doubt it. All right. What's next? Palisades Kid 808 says, did someone leave that deed for the property in Westview in Wanda's car to drive the emotion out of her? Or did she have it out on the passenger seat in the event that she was able to retrieve Vision's remains to bury him on that property? My first thought when I saw an envelope in the car was some mysterious person came along and dropped it in there. But what became, she brought it with her. That was already in her possession. That is something that she knew about. And that is something that 
I don't know if, whether she was retrieving Vision. Maybe she thought she would take Vision there. Maybe she thought there would still be a spark of life somewhere hidden in there that she was able to feel in Infinity War. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, I think it became pretty clear that was something she already had. She was in possession of than she brought with her. And it's very, very tragic. It just added to the man. Life just keeps punching Wanda Maximoff in the face just over and over and over again. It is a story of tragedy and sadness. All right. What's next? Joe Wakefield says, my wife and I believe that it is the real vision that Wanda created. The energy flowing out of her during his manifestation was the same color as the Mind Stone. I'm not sure how, but it seems to me like it may be his actual essence slash soul. Thoughts? Well, again, there's really nothing to back that up. Every, this vision has pretty much clearly stated he has no memories before this. He does it like even when referring to the relationship between Wanda and Vision earlier, he's like, it's like I'm thinking about somebody else because he is thinking about somebody else. That's not vision. And the mind stone can't just create beings. And remember, maybe the soul stone could impart something. I don't know, but that's not really the mind stones gig. Now, that's not to say she didn't utilize mind stone power that may have been a part of her because of that earlier scene that we saw in the flashback. True, but it's still not the real vision. That's, that's not the real vision. The real vision is dead. And I think... That scene with her at the S.W.O.R.D. headquarters was just the show making it very clear to us. And again, you juxtapose that against the scene in Infinity War when she says, I just feel you, to now being in WandaVision, I can't feel you. It's just all the more heartbreaking and tragic, but that was them putting the, the explanation point on, Vision is gone. He's the one fake death they haven't undone unless they do something in WandaVision episode nine, but he's the one fake death they haven't undone. Vision is gone. That thing that's walking around thinks it's vision. It looks like vision, all that kind of stuff. But like, he's kind of admitted himself. He's, he's starting to suspect he knows he's not the real vision. And uh, yeah, so that's just kind of my take on that. All right, what's next? Noah says, hello, John. So with how the last Von WandaVision ended, do you think that this new vision is the new Ultron? And do you think James Spader will be back to voice Ultron? There is a possibility that this whole thing was being done by Hayward and S.W.O.R.D. utilizing older Ultron technology to try to revamp that, but something that they can actually control. That never works out in movies. So there's possibility. So yes, I think there's a chance we may hear like James Spader's voice and this white vision may turn out to be Ultron reincarnated. I don't think that's likely, but it's definitely a very, very real chance. Let's see where they go with it. All right, what's next? Talia Farrow says, Hi, John, big fan. In the comics, the twins are made from the pieces of Mephisto's soul. Do you think that this version, since she birthed Vision from scratch, the pieces were made from pieces of Wanda's soul, unbeknownst to her and maybe Agatha knows? It's totally possible. Ooh. Like, again, the, the kids aren't real. I mean, inside the hex, they're as real as anything, but I suspect they're not able to exist outside of the hex either, right? I mean, obviously, she was magically conceived because RoboSpunk doesn't make babies. I mean, there you go. I didn't pay a lot of attention in biology class, but I learned that much. So, and not to mention, it came to full term in a day, delivered them, they're grown up. Yeah, this, this, these are not obviously normal, natural kids. 
What they are exactly, I don't know yet. They haven't brought in Mephisto, so they're not shards of Mephisto. They're, it's not literally the House of M, so they may not just be imaginary, that she's just imagining them. But how they're going to actually resolve with these kids, we'll find out in Episode 9. But I, I got a feeling she loses Vision again, she loses the kids, she loses Pietro again. And this is, I still think this is going to end very badly. I still think it's going to end very, very badly. All right, what's next? Mikey Palacio says, Will Lambert was talking about the original Human Torch, not Fantastic Force. The original Human Torch even makes a cameo in Captain America, the first Avenger. I do not recall that cameo. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I thought the original Human Torch was like an android. If I may not be remembering, listen, all the comic book characters and everything have so many different origins. So uh, you might you might be right. I don't remember that cameo in the first event in, in Captain America, the first event, but I'll have to go back and take a look again. Interesting thing to point out, Mikey. All right. What's next? Homelander's doppelganger says, hey, John, he would say he took Vision apart and put him back together hundreds of times, but could never get him working until they got the energy from the drone. He didn't put him back together and get him working in two days. Anyway, happy birthday. Well, I mean, I'm not so sure about that because that's just not how it works. Like, first of all, they got this thing. This the this residual energy on the drone that Wanda herself carries out of the hex and drops at their feet. Okay, it would take them even in MCU science, it would take them months to even figure out what this power source, what this residual energy on the thing is. It would take them months. Hayward is not. See, here's the thing. Hayward is not Shuri. Hayward is not Reed say. Richards. <laughs> Hayward is not Tony Stark. It's not like they could just go. Hmm, residual energy from a witch. We totally figured it out in 24 hours. And yeah. we learned how to then plug it into this machine. First of all, what even made you think to plug it into that machine that you're trying to make? It's yeah. like a comedian once joked, who was the first guy to discover milk? Like who walked along, saw a cow standing on a hill and it's uttered and say, you know what? I'm going to suck on that and drink whatever comes out. Like what made him think? Oh, let's just... Uh, Plug this red sparky into the thing. I, I don't know. Like, I get it. It's a comic book property. Yeah. We need to suspend disbelief. Yeah. I get it. But some things are just a little wild. And they th did have his body for five years, though. I mean, mind you, did. in the setup that they did, he was all broken apart. But I don't know if he fig in the five years, if he figured out how to put him together and then was like, OK, we can take him apart easily just to put on this little show and then try to get her to bring him to life like in five years, what, what, and the fact that it's sword and they go into outer space, like, I don't know. I mean, hey, they have, again, they had a lot of time to play. It's a comic book property. I but, get it. But again, this, oh, look, there's red sparkies coming off that. Let's plug it into the robot and see if that, <laughs> I, I don't know. That's maybe that's just me. Okay. What's next? Mark Dorenzo says, so the actor that Paul Bettany always wanted to work with was himself. LOL, cheeky it's, bastard. It's amazing how many people write that in. I, I still don't think it's actually talking about himself, Mark. I think it's going to be somebody else. All right, what's next? Chance Strackner, Strackner says, do you think that Agatha gave Fiestro... Finish it on here. Sorry, my computer hiccuped. Do you think that Agatha gave Fiestro Quicksilver's powers and he can break out of her spell somehow and still keep the powers which would give us... Evan Peters in this universe. That is a possibility. Again, how nature and things work inside the hex is unpredictable. Not to Now look, still a possibility. Evan Peters is the X-Men Fox Universe Quicksilver. 
That's still a possibility. I don't think that's what they're doing, but it's still a possibility. But inside the hex, I mean, a, a Trans Am turns into a 1950s car. You know, uh, Vision is man, a brand new version of Vision is manifested out of thin air and walks around as adamantium until he leaves the hex. What can happen inside the hex is who knows what. And also, Agatha is a very powerful witch. You think it's too much of a stretch to make it look like some guy has super speed with all the other things she can do? It's not a big deal. So yes, that is a possibility. I don't know if that's where they're going, but that's totally a possibility, Chance. All right, what's next? Austin S. says, this is a crazy theory, but could the rabbit be Dr. Strange? Like Agnes trapped him and brought him to Westview. I mean, Wanda could get him out and could set up Dr. Strange next movie. It's a long shot, but I want to know your version. Uh, okay, so here's... I've had a lot of people write in mm. and ask that. Could the rabbit be Dr. Strange? My primary problem with that is I don't think Agatha is nearly as powerful as Dr. Strange. I don't think she's, I don't think she's sorcerer no. supreme level of power. No. So, and not to mention at this point in the story, it would seem rather random. Like I, I just, yeah. for for whatever. Now, yeah. now Dr. Strange could show up mm -hmm. in this. I mean, this story is connected to Dr. Strange yeah. too. Yeah. But it would be in a way that makes sense. It wouldn't feel totally random. I think if they just all of a sudden went, Poof, oh, thank goodness I'm not a rabbit anymore, douchebag. I, <laughs> don't I, feed I, me, I, Beetle. I know, what do you, <laughs> what's your theory on the rabbit right now? Is it just a familiar? Could it be somebody or something else? I, th I think right? that rabbit is is something very sinister. Um, and especially if Nightmare or Mephisto is in this, the big, big, big baddie, if you're that badass, you don't need to be all up in the business. You can sit back Look, I sent this witch. I sent you in to do a job. I'm just going to sit back and watch. Right. You know, so he doesn't need to be all up in the details until it gets to a point where he's frustrated. And he's like, oh, wow, you're Scarlet Witch. All right. Now, now I'm going to turn from, game on. from rabbit. And um, yeah, it's game on. That's a possibility. So, yeah. All right. What's next? This is coming from Suthius. I think for us fans, to some extent, all want attention when we share our theories and speculations. When it comes to media content, we want to be right and we want some someone of notoriety to notice us and our thoughts. I'm not sure if that's a healthy mindset. Oh, no, man, that's just plain fandom, dude. I mean, this is that's part of the joy of this is we get to have theories and ideas. And like anything else in life, when we have ideas and theories, we love to get together with other people who share that same passion and exchange those theories and ideas. So to me, it is as long as we don't get overly attached to them. It's like they didn't do what I wanted them to do. Therefore, I don't like this show. As long as we don't do that, I think it's a totally healthy, fun, energizing, you know, creative, imaginative thing to participate and get in on. And I, I think I love hearing all like I disagree with most theories I hear, but I think it's part of the really fun thing of this whole thing. So I'm personally really enjoying it myself. And I think most people are. And I think it's totally healthy. All right. What's next? Queso Turtle says, remember though, John, that Monica's clothes remain changed outside the hex. Same with the rover last episode. Yep. I'm not quite sure what your point is, but yes, they did. Um, now, look, remember though, that's completely different. Well, and also the rover didn't actually get in. The rover got partially in and then, but it never made it all the way in. I think the reason why her clothes were able to do that, remember the clothes were still just other organic material, right? They were just other organic material. 
Because when she analyzed the stuff she was wearing in the hex that she came out with, it was actually the Kevlar vest, right? So there's a lot of things there. And I think there's probably some plot holes in there as well, but we'll see where they go with that. All right, what's next? The Nerd Errant says, I just realized that the Spider-Man Far From Home montage was for those who died in the battles against Thanos. That likely means either Vision dies, but this latest death is covered up, or he comes back and it's covered up. The public remains unaware either way. Okay, so it's possible that they've done that. It is. But we have to acknowledge that's just a random theory we're making up to hopefully make room for Vision making it out of this. And that is something they could do. That's why I always say it's possible. But I don't know. The thing they've set it up makes it pretty unlikely. Let me look. We always have the thing we can fall back on. The thing they told us in that other movie might not be true. I mean, we can always go back to that, right? We can always go back to that. You you can say about any type of theory over any movie. Well, this can't happen because in the previous episode or the previous movie, they explicitly said this. We can always say, well, what if that was wrong? Or what if there's a reason that wasn't correct? That's always a possibility. But, you know, taking things at face value, I, I just don't think he makes it out of this. But maybe he does. It is possible. All right. What's next? Okay, this is coming from Detroit Dog. Hello, John, and hopefully, Kimberly, I love you. There you go. We love you, too. Anyway, Agatha mentioned Pietro's body is in another country with bullet holes in him. How long has it been? Eight years? Is he not a skeleton? Is this his actual body somewhere? Do you think we will see him again? Listen, I'll tell you what. When we saw Aaron Taylor Johnson in the previously on WandaVision part, I... I really thought there was a very good chance that we would see Aaron Taylor Johnson again. I still think there's a chance. I mean, as each episode goes forward and we're getting closer to the end, the likelihood gets smaller and smaller. smaller, smaller, But I still think there's a chance. What do you look? We only got one episode left unless there's a secret 10th episode, but it looks like we've only got one episode left. Do you think there's a chance we see Aaron Taylor Johnson in it? No, no, you're probably right. I want to say there is, but there's not. But I do think there's a chance that we might see more than one cameo because the because the Avengers are out there somewhere. I mean, during this, I mean, it is a small town, so it's not like this is happening in New York City and it has to be on the news in a small town somewhere. What has to be on the news? What nobody knows to call. So we might see a couple people. And remember, locals don't even say, "Hey, friend, you is." Remember, the locals have all forgot what Westview That's even right. is, so That's right. it wouldn't be hard. So it's a good thought. All right, what's next? Okay, this is coming from Tony Stank. Yes, yes, this is Tony Stank. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. Hayward put on a show for Wanda. They had saws cutting a vibranium body. Yeah, right. He wanted Wanda to get emotional and make Vision come alive. He even asked her if that is what she was going to do. He was planning that, though, in her head. All right. Well, the one thing you got to assume is that, you know, Hayward and Sword had access to vibranium. So I, I, I just assumed when I was watching it that they had vibranium uh, blades and vibranium saws that they could specifically cut through and do that with. So that was my guess. Also, I'm not really sure. Remember, he had no idea Wanda Maximoff was going to show up at the sword facility. I mean, so what you're saying is he would have had to have calculated this entire plan right there on the spot. Now, maybe he did want, you know, the vision to be brought back to life or anything. I, I mean, maybe he did, but I don't think this was some sort of, you know, professionally, expertly orchestrated plot. Um, so, but I don't know. Like, we'll see where they go. But again, yes, vibranium saws. That's what I'm going with, vibranium saws. All right, what's next? 
Adam says, it is a bunch of cack if Elizabeth Olsen doesn't get award nominations after episode eight alone. She is too good for voters to let their anti-Marvel stance get in the way of nominating her. Great episode that it left more intriguing questions. Marvel nailing it. Well, Adam, first of all, I'll tell you, that's a bunch of nonsense. What you just said It's a bunch of nonsense. The Academy doesn't have anti-Marvel stances. They just nominated like Black Panther for best picture at the Academy Awards, for heaven's sake. So... No, that's nonsense. And But again, it's easy for us to, to watch one show we love and say, this person should get a nomination when you haven't watched any of the other stuff. You haven't watched any of the other stuff. You, you also, you can't just be great. Being great isn't enough. You also have to be greater than every other performance given that year, at least be in the top five. And if there are five other better performances, which there could be, then she's not going to get a nomination. And it's not, listen, I'm so tired. I am so tired of us genre fans playing the victim. Oh, poor us. Oh, just that everybody hates us. Now get over it. Get over it. Stop, stop being the victim. Stop playing. Oh, if we would get more things, if it just wasn't for this anti thing, shut up. It's not that. All right. They don't have an anti this or an anti anything, all right? If Listen, they just nominated Mandalorian for best drama of the year for heaven's sakes. There's not so if she if she doesn't get a nomination, it will be because there were five other actresses in the same category who that year out of the hundreds and hundreds of other shows that maybe deserve it a little bit more. Now, look, if I had to put money on it, Adam, my guess would be that she's getting a nomination. I, I I think it's impressing a lot of people. Even the TV writers I'm seeing are like blown away by it. But if she does not, let's not be the sniveling little victim criers like us genre fans often are and go, oh, it's because they hate us. No, 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 no. There are a lot of actresses every year. There are fans of a lot of shows every year where their favorite actor or their favorite actress doesn't get nominated and has nothing to do with comic book or sci-fi or anything. It's just that, look, if, if Olsen doesn't get nominated, it'll just be because there may have been five other performances that they deemed a little bit more worthy. It's hard to imagine right now as we're watching Elizabeth Olsen doing it, but, you know, let's not play the victim card. Let's not play the victim card. Okay, anyway. What's next? Scotty B says, hey, John, I don't know about you, but I got a real Christmas Carol. It's a wonderful life vibe from episode eight of WandaVision. Keep up the great work. Well, the flashback and all the, the tragedies of life, of course, you know, it's a wonderful life. Uh, there's some happier things in a Christmas Carol, some not so happy memories, too, at the same time. But yeah, you're right. There is a little bit of a stroll down memory lane. Look, we suspected it would be a flashback episode. It didn't disappoint. They really reemphasized to us what the life of Wanda Maximoff is a life of tragedy. And I think that's just setting us up for more tragedy in episode nine. We'll find out, though. All right, what's next? Sergeant Ward says, Hey, John, what do you think of Mel Gibson's filmography as a director? I mean, say what you want about his personal him as a person, but this guy can direct. Hacksaw Ridge is a personal favorite of mine. What are your thoughts? Look, the, the, person, the personal issues aside, he is one of the most stunningly gifted directors in the business. He just is. I mean, yeah, Hacksaw Ridge was a bloody brilliant film. That movie was amazing. I, I, and it was so perfectly directed. Uh, one, I know one of John Schnepp's, going back to Schnepp, one of his mo most favorite movies was Apocalypto. That movie is all direction. It's all direction. 
it's crazy and bonkers and nutso and all that kind of stuff. So, hey, listen, there's a lot of different opinions one can have of Mel Gibson with all the extracurricular off movie set stuff. And, and that's not what we're here to talk about. But if you're asking me straight up, just as a director, he is simply one of the best in the business. I mean, we can get into a lot of other discussions, but if you're asking me strictly as like, if you ask me about, um, oh, what's, uh, what's his pedophile's name? Um, um, the guy who ran away, uh, Roman Polanski. Look, if you yeah. want to, if you want my personal opinion on Roman Polanski, oh, I'll, I'll talk to you about my personal opinion of Roman Polanski. But if you want to ask me straight up, what do I think of him as uh, just as a director and his work as a director? He's phenomenal. He's absolutely, and, and Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, uh, Mel Gibson. Why was I going to say Russell Westbrook? <laughs> Mel Gibson, Russell Westbrook is an NBA player, uh, is a phenomenally talented director. It's it's just that simple, cut and dry. Anyway. All right. What's next? Suthia says, wait a minute. Agatha said she tried to bring Wanda's brother back to life, but he was on a different continent. Wouldn't the Avengers have brought his body along to the U.S. for burial? We even see Hawkeye carry him into the rescue craft after he got shot. Um, a lot of a thousand other different things could have happened. He could have been on the rescue thing, but then he could have been claimed by the government for whatever. I mean, there's a million different things. So obviously in the MCU, for whatever reason, I mean, remember, why would they bring him to the U.S.? He wasn't American. He was Sokovian. I mean, if he was going to be buried, wouldn't he want to be buried in his home? Why would they have brought him back to the U.S.? So I, I, that seems to me to make a little bit more sense, Suthius. All right, what's next? Ben A. says, Hey, John, after hearing about the Superman reboot news, I'm trying to get my head around why Warner Brothers going in this new direction will be a better option than continuing with Cavill. Feels unfair when Godot, Momoa, and Miller has been retained for future movies. Um, listen, there's no such thing as fair. They don't owe Henry Cavill anything. They don't owe Henry Cavill anything. That isn't his character. They're not his movies. And the last time I checked, Henry Cavill didn't put down $1 to make those movies. Those things belong to Warner Brothers. The actor is hired to come in and play a role. It's not about what's fair to the actor. What's fair to the actor is he gets paid for his work. Now, I say that as you, you guys can't see it right now, but I got Henry Cavill right here looking over the studio, keeping everything safe and keeping an eye on things. I got a giant six-foot Henry Cavill postie uh, standee over here. And so I love Henry Cavill as Superman. Absolutely do. But they don't owe him anything. They don't owe him anything. But let's just be very, very clear about that. Aside from that is this. Here's the reality. Despite the fact that I think Henry Cavill is the greatest Superman we've ever had. And yes, I know that sounds sacrilegious to say greater than Christopher Reeve. Yeah, I think even better than Christopher Reeve. And I love Christopher Reeve. I love Man of Steel. To me, it's the most underrated comic book film of all time. One of the top 10 greatest comic book movies ever made, in my opinion. I think he plays Superman great. But if the reality is, no matter how much I feel like that, half the audiences have hated him as Superman. Half the people hated Man of Steel. Critics, half the critics hated Man of Steel. A lot of people didn't like this iteration of Superman and, and Batman versus Superman. I did, but a lot of people didn't. The critics didn't. All of his movies that he's appeared in as Superman have underperformed. They haven't flopped, but every movie he's been in as Superman has underperformed. If you are a Warner Brothers executive and you're going to try to be objective, then the reality is there are some compelling arguments to move on from Henry Cavill as Superman and to try a different approach. The definition of insanity 
is to continue to do the same things and expect different results. To continue to do the same thing and expect different results. Let's just keep moving. Let's just keep making these DC movies the exact way we've been making before. And it, suddenly we expect that they're going to make a billion dollars. Or a Henry Cavill one will. Now, obviously, that's what I want. If I were in charge over Warner Brothers, I would make new one with Henry Cavill. And by the way, there is still a chance Henry Cavill is still going to be Superman. There is still a chance. Either in J.J. Abrams' movie, but John, I read that. You know, forget what you've read. There is still a chance, however likely or unlikely, there is still a chance that Henry Cavill is going to be Superman in J.J. Abrams' movies. But if he's not, we've got multiple Batman right now in the DCU. Even if he's not going to be in J.J. Superman, he could still be Superman in other films. As a matter of fact, there's already talk that he's already signed on the dotted line to appear in a couple of movies as Superman. So, yeah, number one, they don't owe Henry Cavill anything. Number two, um, he very well could point up. But number three, there is rationality to why Warner Brothers may want to move on from him. As much as it pains me to say it, and I hate that this is the fact, but the reality is his Superman movies have underperformed. Not a lot of people love him as Superman the way I do. And therefore, if they think they need to go at it again to try to get the godfather of all superheroes back to his rightful place then maybe it's something they need to do. Anyway, that's just a thought. Okay, what's next? Jim from Virginia says, a thought, if you will. What if the season finale of WandaVision is a special two-hour finale, similar to what sitcoms and dramas used to do in the past? It seems to me that this show is movie quality. Well, I mean, yeah, that would have been great, but that's not what they're doing. It is going to be the longest episode so far. It was funny. I was speculating that the final episode would be 50 minutes long. And now reports are coming out that it's 50 minutes long. Now, that's cool, unless, of course, somebody heard me say that and they started running around with a report. Did you hear it's going to be 50 minutes long? Which is possible, I suppose. But I, I think it's probably going to be, it's going to be under an hour, but I do think it'll be the longest one we have so far. But man, wouldn't it have been great if it was a two-hour special, but it's not what they're doing, unfortunately. All right, what's next? The Wakandan Forever says, woo. It's official, the Boston EST WrestleMania 37, Sasha Banks and Bianca Blair, my all-time dream match. Wakanda is crazy going nuts. If you don't know these wrestlers, look them up and you will understand. John, are you going to watch this year? Well, I don't watch wrestling nearly as much as I used to, but there are a couple events every year that we do. One of them being um, uh, Money in the Bank, but obviously the one that we always watch is WrestleMania. I always watch WrestleMania. Even when, when I'm not into wrestling at all, I still watch WrestleMania. And of course, everybody's interested in Sasha Banks right now because she was just in Mandalorian. So there you go. All right. What's next? The Wakandan Forever says, well done, John. Last week we did wrestling. Now name these fighters. California Kid, the Spider, the Lioness, Shogun, Dragon, Hendo, Bones, the Natural. Do you think Conor McGregor is going to be the UFC champion again or has the sport passed him by? The sport has passed him by. I do not believe he's I don't see a weight class that he can win. Uh, a, div a division in again. Spider Anderson Silva, the Lioness, that's Amanda Nunez, Shogun Rua, uh, Dragon, that's Lyoto Machido, Hendo is Ben Henderson, John Bones Jones, uh, the natural Randy Couture. I trained uh, at Randy Couture's gym. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's who actually who I oh, trained. Cool. Yeah, when I when like I was I did training in Canada, but when I moved to LA, the very first place I went to was Randy Couture's Legends MMA. Nice. And uh, and he is uh, he's an amazing gentleman. Um, anyway. So, uh, yes, I do believe, I don't believe that the sport has passed him by so much as a lot has gotten it. Look, 
you can't take years off at a time like he has. You can't get involved in all the shenanigans that he has. You can't have your attention to totally diverted the way he has. You've got to be more than mouth. And mouth helps promote the fights, and they're very entertaining. But I just don't believe his heart is in fighting anymore. And I think he's realizing now that unless he's 100% fully committed, he can't stand up to the likes of Dustin Poirier. He'll never stand up to the likes of Habib Nurmagomedov. And not that if Habib's ever going to fight again, we'll see. But, uh, but no, I don't think he'll ever be a champion again. All right, what's next? Taskmaster503 says, Hey, John, I've been supporting since the Aaron Darling Times. Oh, wow. Which I believe is the only Mexican-American person I've seen in the shows. I still remember the AMC intro music as well. Question, what's your favorite Mexican director? Mine would be Alfonso. Alfonso Caron, but uh, I got to go Caramel del Toro. It's just with the with the genre stuff specifically. Um, and, and no, um, Aaron, by the way, I don't even think Aaron Darling was uh mexican i don't believe aaron aaron was i could be wrong about that but i don't believe she was but there was natasha martinez don't forget about natasha she was great i mean former miss california she's now at complex she now does work at complex she does really good stuff over there um but yeah i listen maybe it's just because of all the various and and there's no doubt you got the three amigos right they're killing it in the world like they're kind of dominating the movies right now all three of them but because of the extra little genre stuff i gotta go del toro del toro is my favorite all right what's next taskmaster 503 says hey john i know you're not a huge soccer fan but have you heard of the new canadian professional soccer league called the canadian premier league your hometown of hamilton aka hamilton forge have won the two first championship cups in the league's history wow nope never even heard of it Never even heard of it. And I'm, I'm a Hamilton kid. For those of you who don't know, my hometown is Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, the hammer. Um, I have never even heard of such a thing. And I didn't even, so I didn't know Hamilton had, for, I didn't know the league existed. So I didn't know Hamilton had a team. So since I didn't know the league existed, nor that Hamilton had a team, I certainly didn't know that Hamilton won the first two championships. So I might have to look into it, but I generally only watch soccer when the World Cup comes along. Yeah. That, and usually, and then last year, the last World Cup was sucked because there was no team Italy. So that makes so I lose my incentive to watch since there's no, you know, Forza Italia. So, uh, but, you know, maybe this year or maybe this next one, maybe this next one. Okay, what's next? Tim Tracy says, was listening to your show during work and just had a thought. What if Agatha is using Wanda to open the book, the book of the Nexus that could explain all the returning actors, characters in Spider-Man 3? Just a thought. Happy belated birthday. I mean, listen, that's that's a theory that a lot of us espouse. Like, like, what if she's trying to use Wanda to open that book? Like the camera went in and focused on that book. It seemed pretty damn important. What if this and what if that and the, uh, but the problem is with one episode remaining, it seems like a bit of a stretch that they'd be trying to do all of that in the next one. This is actually the book of the Nexus of all realities. Here's what the Nexus of all realities. And then, oh, look, here comes all these different Spider-Man and all the, it seems like a lot to do in one episode, particular an episode that's going to be under an hour long. So it seems unlikely, but possible because there's a lot of us, Tim, that have had theories related to that. So maybe yes. I don't know. It seems unlikely right now, but maybe yes. All right. What's next? Elijah says, John, your vibranium decay inside the hex theory doesn't work because they restored the real vision's body outside of the hex with Wanda's chaos magic to full strength to make white viz. If her reanimation chaos magic only worked inside the hex, it wouldn't work. Uh, Elijah, you're missing something. 
something very important. Vision's body outside the hex was already vibranium. Newsflash, Wanda's hex magic didn't turn Vision's body outside of the hex into vibranium. It already was vibranium. Nobody is saying that Wanda's hex magic, um, that Wanda's powers only work inside the hex, but there seem to be certain only certain things that do. Hence, Vision can't leave the hex, right? So there's a lot of that in play here. But yes, Vision's body was already vibranium. Nothing magical had to happen with there. And by the way, it wasn't that Wanda cast a spell to make that body come back to life. It's just that for whatever reason that they don't explain, it just happened to be the power source that they needed to bring that vision online. But it wasn't a specific spell that Wanda cast. So the same rules don't apply. It's a totally different situation. All right, what's next? Colin Emerson says, the shark equals Agatha. Probably. Strawberry red yogurt equals Wanda's chaos magic. The boy on the island equals Wanda in the hex. I think in episode nine, Agatha will try to drain Wanda. If Wanda can't unlock her true potential, open the yogurt, she will perish like the Salem witches. I'll tell you what, Colin, that's exactly the thought that I had when we saw that scene in Salem, when we saw her basically feed on the other witches' magic. She drew their magic into herself. And once we saw that, it was like, Okay, she's the shark. She's the shark from the commercial. She's, yeah, that kind of became evident. So I agree. And remember, the whole reason Agatha even said she was there is because, like, I sense this power coming from here, and I had to check it out. What is your secret? How are you doing? And I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, she's going to try to feed on Wanda. Unless, of course, realizing Wanda is the mythological Scarlet Witch, whether she now fears her and maybe understands she can't, or maybe she does, I don't know. Maybe Maybe Wanda pulls the same thing on Agatha that Agatha pulled on those other witches. Maybe Agatha tries doing something to Wanda, and Wanda, and Wanda goes, that's cute. And then, you know, a dried up, dusted Agatha falls to the ground dead. You know, That would be a great introduction into Doctor Strange. Ooh. Because obviously we, we know she's got powers beyond what we thought, what we imagined, and, and now we're like really questioning. But Doctor Strange is pretty powerful and his friends are too. Yes. So, and, and, you know, his ability to go in space and talk to the God, maybe her draining Agatha and taking her powers makes her ridiculously powerful. Well, also remember this, there was that line in that episode and I thought it was really key that Agatha never said, you don't know how powerful you are. She didn't say that. She also didn't say, you don't know how special you are. She said, you don't even realize how dangerous you are. She's dangerous. And you add like on top of that, the powers of Agatha Harkness and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. with her losing vision, the kids again and going Mm -hmm. like no amount of therapy is going to fix this girl. Mm -hmm. Like I'm telling you, it's just, just, just the potential for Shakespearean tragedy goodness oh, here man. is so rich. Okay, yeah. what's next? The Wakandan Forever says, Wakanda has been sticking to our New Year's resolution. I use a Fitbit app and my blood pressure is better. I watch the Generation Iron series for inspiration. Huh. John, don't get a big head. I've seen your arms. What's your workout routine? Diet and weight. Um, so actually, you know what? I used a Fitbit for a long time myself. That's how I, I I keep talking to you guys. I do five miles a day that it was the Fitbit that got me into initially doing five miles a day. So my workout routine for the last year has been very, very minimal. I'll I'll put up a picture sometime of our living room. Basically, Ann and I, we have a bunch of weights. We have a weight bench. So, I mean, I continue to try to get my five miles in a day. 
that that's sometimes harder than it seems. There are no gyms open. We can't go to any gyms. So we got enough weights and equipment here at the house that we work out in the morning. Generally, Ann and I around, like I'll get up earlier, start the process of getting things ready for the show, take an hour, go out in front of the TV with Dan. We, we do our workout routine here at home. Um, now what I'm really waiting for is right up the street from here. It's where I used to train a long time ago. I actually used to train with James Sandman Irvin, uh, is the UFC gym, uh, that's right around the corner here. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I used to train there like years ago Oh, right on. Um, nice. until we moved out to LA. So I am just chomping at now that we live out here. Uh, and now that I've got the UFC gym, uh, not terribly far from here, I am just chomping at the bit. Yeah. To get back into that gym and, and to get rolling again. All right. Nice. What's next? This is coming from Garden Variety Vagabond. Happy birthday, John. I hear a lot of fans saying that Agatha called Wanda the Scarlet Witch. Listening closely, you hear that she calls her a Scarlet Witch. I worked as a translator slash transcriber, so I listen closely for definite versus indefinite articles. Um, I don't know. I'll have to go back and watch it again. I'm almost positive. Like, I, I, I could be wrong. I watched the episode only twice, and I but both times I personally walked away with the impression that she said the Scarlet the. Witch, not a Scarlet Witch. I thought she said the Scarlet Witch. I don't know. You saw what? What were you? What you know, you I, I she thought she said the Scarlet Scarlet Witch, but maybe that's because I was waiting for that. So um, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to watch that again. Yeah. And if it's a instead of the, that is the difference between so it's many a things. Massive difference. So many things. All right. Okay. That's something we'll have to keep wow. our eyes open for. Okay. What's next? Michael H. Jones says, I know this probably won't happen, but I would love the Agatha character to show up peri periodically in the MCU. Also, since watching episode eight, is it wrong for me to try to find videos on YouTube of rabbits eating <laughs> birds? You might have a hard time with that, but listen, I could tell, first of all, I've been telling you guys for years, Catherine Hahn is it. I mean, Catherine so Hahn funny. is awesome. And I love seeing this. So I could see her kind of like playing a Q kind of character, like from Star Trek, the next generation where every once in a while she just pops in and says, well, isn't that silly, Mr. Captain America, what you're trying to do or, or something along those lines. I think that would be a kick in the pants. I would love it. I don't know that she's getting out of this show, but if she does, I would love to see her randomly just pop up now and again to cause mischief and havoc for the heroes of the MCU going on, on out. All right. Thanks a lot for that, Michael. And I would like to see it too, man. I really would. All right. What's next? Jason Reyes says, hey, John, this is going to be a long one. So buckle in. All right. I want to give my thoughts and feelings on the Snyder Cut as a whole. After reading the interviews Zach gave with Vanity Fair, it made me look at his upcoming Justice League film in a whole new light. I personally loved Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. His tone and realism added a new fresh air of comic book genre. I understand where the criticism came for came from at first when Man of Steel came out, but particularly Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. All the critics all the criticism Batman v Superman received was justified, believe me, because I was one of the haters who didn't necessarily like the movie as much, theatrical cut, because I thought it felt rushed and poorly paced. Tone had nothing to do with it. Hold on here. 
When you rewatch Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, they truly are one continuous story. When you watch it through, I believe his Justice League is a continuous of that story and will answer certain flaws. I believe the film had and left unanswered questions. For example, why did they kill off Superman so early? What was Luther's endgame? Certain Easter eggs that had nothing to do with the story. It was telling. Nightmare seemed cool, but meaningless. That was meant to tease something that happened in JL. In a four-hour film, I can see many of those flaws and unanswered questions fully explained and make sense. And will add much more appreciation to Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman. When you watch all three as one continuous story... Sort of like WandaVision when it's done. Let's see here. Hold on. My point is this. Let's not count Zach out so fast just because of his previous work. I honestly, I honestly believe Zach had a well-planned out story that was meddled with a panic studio that didn't have the faith in him when it went bad at first. Once we see what his goal was, then I believe we'll be able to put a definitive opinion on whether or not it worked or not. Because don't forget, not all MCU films were massive box office successes either. They stuck with the plan and made it through. To Zach, this is more than just a movie now. To him, this is a way of redemption from all the shit he took out of a movie he made. He has had a hard time... He has had time to sit on this and make it the best it can. And I believe he went out and did just that for Autumn. Um, it's Look, I appreciate the point of view on that. I do. But the reality is this. Peter Jackson was making Lord of the Rings. You didn't have to wait until the end of Return of the King to appreciate, like, and love the brilliance of Fellowship of the Ring. Like, if you're a filmmaker, it's great that you have an idea for a big, long story, but you have to make each individual film worthy on their own. Every film has to be able to stand on their own. If you can't appreciate Star Wars until you're finished seeing Return of the Jedi, then George Lucas didn't do a very good job making Star Wars. It's just that. Now, listen, I say that as a person who loves Man of Steel who not as much, but really, really liked Batman versus Superman. It gave us, I mean, Man of Steel gave me my all-time favorite Superman. Ben Affleck gave me my favorite Batman of all time in, uh, in Batman versus Superman. So I, I am one of the people who really does appreciate both of those movies, particularly Man of Steel, a lot. But the reality is this. He made Man of Steel, and he made it in such a way that a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of the audience didn't like it. A lot of the critics didn't like it. And it underperformed at the box office. Uh, I mean, it still did all right for most movies, but for a Superman movie? In the environment in which comic book movies are killing it at the box office, it, it underperformed. And then Batman versus Superman was, I mean, that, that was a movie that should have gotten close to $2 billion. It just putting the title, Batman versus Superman, on it that should have brought that that gets you six or seven hundred million dollars right there and it didn't even get to a billion dollars captain marvel made a billion dollars and they didn't and a lot of the audience didn't like the film a lot of the the um 
a lot of the critics didn't like the film. I thought the Batman versus Superman ultimate version was a little better, but honestly, I completely disagree with this idea that it is a night and day difference from the original. I, I didn't think, I thought it was a little bit of an improvement, but I didn't think it was all that big of a difference personally. I, but maybe I don't see that big of a difference because I'm one of the people who really appreciated his theatrical cut anyway. But anyway, there's that. So, I mean, I don't know. L look, my basic belief of the Snyder cut and how people are going to react to it has not changed. I don't think there's any surprises coming. The people who like Zack Snyder's DC movies are going to love the Snyder Cut Justice League. It's just that simple. Because we are already people who have already seen his DC material and we like the way he approaches the DC material. And I am one of those. I, I love Man of Steel. I like Batman vs. Superman. Hell, I even like Justice League in theaters. And there's a lot of that that is him. But it's not going to change anybody's mind. Like, I don't think there's anybody who likes Zack Snyder's DC stuff that isn't going to like the Snyder Cut thing. But I also don't think there's going to be many people who don't like Zack Snyder's approach to DC that are magically suddenly going to like it. I don't think anything's going to change. The, the people that this is being made for are going to love it. And the people it's not being made for, which is like half the people, aren't. And that's okay. That's what they're counting on. They finance this trusting that there's going to be enough people that are already on board with it that are going to get into it. And honestly, I do not believe anything is going to change. Oh. And I say that as for the better or for the worse. I don't think it's going to change anything for the better or for the worse. We're getting one last little hoorah. He's going to get to make this movie the way he wanted to make it. The people who've been wanting to see it are going to get a chance to see it. And then it's done. And then they're going to move on. And then that'll be it. And who knows, Jason? I mean... Maybe at the end of the day, it will change some people's minds. I highly doubt it, but maybe it will. Uh, but it doesn't need to. You know, that's the thing about something like this Zack Snyder, I don't know, this circus that's gone on regarding Snyder Cut, is it doesn't need to change people's minds. All they're, they're, not, they're not doing Snyder Cut to change the people's minds who already don't like Zack Snyder's stuff or at least Zack Snyder's stuff when it comes to the DC universe. They're making it for so they can take advantage of the people who do like his stuff, like me, so that if I wasn't already signed up to HBO Max, which I already am because I think HBO Max is amazing, that then I would sign up for HBO Max. That's why they're making it. And as long as they do that, they're going to see this whole endeavor as having been worth it. And people who have been wanting this Snyder Cut stuff are going to be happy because they finally get to see it. And at the end of the day, that's good enough. And uh, well, anyway, but at, we'll see where it goes. Anyway, Jason, well thought out, well expressed, uh, the way you laid your thoughts out there on well done, man. Very, very well done. All right. What is next? Victor Vision says, Hi, John. Seems like the Mind Stone has always been attracted to Wanda when it manifests itself to her long ago and explain why Vision drawn to her explaining their love for each other. Hey, listen, that's... I, I cannot help but wonder that, you know, some people wrote in earlier today to say, you know, she's special because she survived the encounter with the Mind Stone. I feel mm. like the Mind Stone picked her. Like, I don't yeah. know what you thought, but when I was watching this episode and they showed that scene where she's in the Hydra facility, it, like, the Mind it didn't wait for her to walk up and touch it because it said, touch the sample, touch the sample. She took one step and boom, no, and it came to her. Came to her. And it showed her a vision, no pun intended, mm -hmm. 
of her future and it picked her, you know, kind of, I don't know if it's, you compare it to Excalibur, you know, picking Arthur to be pulled from the stone. I mean, it picked her. And I think that could explain a lot. How did you interpret that scene in the Hydra facility? I felt like it was, I was like, oh, there's more to the stones than I thought. There's more to just, you touch the stone and you just uh, and go crazy. (laughs) No, there was, I was like, wait a minute, what, she's seeing a vision of herself and the way it like blew her back and and the way, you know, her power when she made um, vision was yellow. I was, I thought there's something more to the stone than we think. And yeah, I really think so. It's, it's clearly there's some, There's something power. there. There's something there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, what's next? Victor Vision says, Hi, John. Seems like that comment was fulfilled, that science and magic are one and the same. Science and magic were used to help recreate Vision. Any thoughts on this? This is one of the best lines going back to the original Thor movie directed by the great, uh, the great Kenneth Branagh. Like, you go, which, uh, science, you call magic. To us, it's one and the same. It's just, it's just understanding how the universe works, right? And that, that line in Thor... It really gave, to to borrow a phrase from Robert Meyer Burnett, a verisimilitude to the rest of our understanding of the MCU. It's like, yeah, the magic is fantastic, but Thor, this being from another world, comes and says, really? Magic and science are kind of one and the same. Now, that's true for Asgardians. It may not be for Salem witches. Like, it may be a totally different bag when it comes to the Salem witches, but it may help color our understanding of the whole situation, Victor. I think that's a really good observation. All right, what's next? Anonymous says, hey, John. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Hey, John. It just has me so choked up. Um, (laughs) Hey, John. A key detail from this WandaVision episode is being overlooked. In the opening scene, Agatha is accused of something related to dark magic. What kind of dark magic? Did she perhaps summon demon slash devil. Also, where has she been past 300 years? Well, she's probably just been, you know, doing her thing, hanging out, living (laughs) life, going to Vegas, doing whatever, going to Burning Man. I'd be printing money. All the things she wants to do, man. But I don't know. I didn't get the sense she was summoning demons or anything like that. Like it was because remember she was, they didn't say it was forbidden stuff you're getting into. What did they say? They said, spells and things that are beyond your age and and station right now it's like Hmm. you haven't graduated to this yet so you're not allowed to devil to delve into this stuff it might have just been learning how to connect in with chaos magic perhaps i mean that could be a part of it that is now part of wanda which may be one of the things that attracts her to her maybe one of the reasons why Wanda's being able to recognize what scarlet witch actually is so that's a possibility too uh but for the last 300 years just hanging out doing her thing keeping low key you know enjoying life petting her rabbit all kinds of goods, killing dogs, whatever, doing her thing. Okay, what's next? This is from Ryan Lawner. I finally watched The Wolverine, and holy crap, has this movie been so forgotten. It's actually so good. I didn't care at all that Logan shouldn't remember anything about World War II. The kind of thing that usually totally kills a movie for me. You know what? Wolverine, The Wolverine, I should say, is a mm-hmm. tale of two movies. I thought for the most part it was quite good. Uh, uh, then the third act wasn't so great to me. Like, especially once they got into the Silver Samurai stuff, it's like, eh, they're not doing this so well. And it didn't work out so well. And I thought the ending was a bit of a waste, to be honest with you. But yeah, for, but up until the third act, I agree with you, Ryan. It was, I mean, 
It was so leaps and bounds better than X-Men Origins Wolverine. So leaps and bounds better. But again, it kind of fell off, particularly in the third act. And I think that's the reason why you don't see hear a lot of people talking about it anymore. But yeah, which is a shame because the first couple acts I thought were actually pretty good. All right. What's next? Yeah, it says, hey, John, I think the reason Wanda is carrying the land deed to Sword HQ was because that's the location she was going to bury Vision's body. Also, tender movie night ending up ending with Wanda's parents exploding made me jump more than any horror movie ever will. That was, you know, I, in the yeah. midst of the one time we actually saw her really happy as a little girl with her mom and dad and her brother watching these TV shows together as a family. And then the horror of her life begins. It, it was really, and yeah, I think you're onto something there. Yes. I, somebody else was mentioning a bit earlier too, that, she was probably going to take, well, first of all, I think she was going there totally with the hope that she would be able to sense somewhere in there that the essence of vision was still there and it wasn't. I think her plan B was probably, yes, to take him and bury him where they wanted to build a life together. You're right. And that was totally devastating on top of it. So, yeah, man, I, I like your observations and I, I, I agree with you. All right. What's next? This is coming from Miguel Zion. Hi, John. Greetings from Scarborough, Ontario. Oh, Scarborough. I love Scarborough. Just saw Judas and the Black Messiah, and I gotta say, Kaluuya's performance might be his best. The film stirred my emotions by depicting situations that are relevant today and by having the crime thriller vibes, which is one of my favorite movie genres. It is a good mixture of relevant story being told in an engaging and not preachy way. It showed the flaws and strengths of both sides without losing concentration, what's right or wrong. Thoughts, Oscars? Thanks. Well, listen, I, I, you, you saw, you saw uh, Juice and the Black Messiah, right? I did, yeah. yeah I, I mean, Kalua's performance, no, it was the best of his career. Yeah. It, it, I, I, there's not yeah. really a lot of, uh, it was probably the best of his career. Um, and he's going to get bigger. He's just going to get bigger. His, yeah. his stars are starting to rise. Yeah. As far as the Oscars go, I don't care. I mean, I never say that. The Oscars is my second favorite day of the year besides Christmas. But this year, I don't care about the Oscars. I don't even think there should be an Oscars this year. So I'm not paying any attention to award season. People, some people ask me, John, why don't you talk about the Golden Globes in your show today? Because I don't care about the Golden Globes even in regular years. But um, so for the Oscars, don't care. But his is a star that is starting to rise. He was so good. He was so good in that. And I'll be honest with you. I thought he might, even though I already know he's good, I thought he might get overshadowed a little bit when you look at the rest of the cast. Yeah. And he didn't. And it's a powerful movie fueled by powerful performances. And uh, I know it won a Golden Globe. I know he won a Golden Globe. Yeah, he was the first win of the night, I believe. Which again, I don't care. Golden Globes are paperweights. But- (laughs) Aside from that, it, it was really remarkable. And if you guys have not watched Judas and the Black Messiah yet, you absolutely should get on that very quickly. All right. Thanks for that, Miguel. What's next? Libra King says, after seeing White Vision, who I believe is actually Spectral Vision, bring bring brought online i can't help but believe that they are also rebooting a part of ultron and infinity war bruce speaks about vision being made up of himself tony ultron and jarvis let me go here who's to say ultron didn't have a fail safe buried waiting to be reactivated and looking at vision's head the replacement piece looks looks like 
Tony's arc reactor. Also, I think Hayward is a scroll. And the engineer will turn out to be the blue marble. Yeah, I think it's a little too late for the engineer to be the blue marble. But listen, the Ultron thing is one that has been brought up a lot. I've already kind of given my opinion on that. And I agree. I believe that's a possibility that may be laying somewhere dormant. Like maybe Wanda said, I can't feel vision in there, but maybe somewhere buried deep in some, you know, subroutine with its own self-powered failsafe is a little Ultron prefix. Maybe, and maybe when we first hear this vision open his mouth in episode nine, we're going to hear Ultron's voice, which would lead to an epic final battle. So epic. Because who does want to hold responsible for the death of Pietro? Ultron. And mm -hmm. so that would lead, add even more drama to the thing. Again, I still think it's going to be Paul Bettany's voice. I think it's still going to be Paul, which is going to make it even harder for her, her to destroy him yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. But... I'm not going to be surprised at all. If you had to guess right now, what is the voice of this white vision going to be? It's going to be Paul Bettany or is it going to be James Spader? It's just a deeper Paul Bettany. A deeper Paul yeah, Bettany. Yeah, I, I think they'll mess with it a little bit. They'll mess with the voice, but it'll be him just a, a couple octaves lower. I like I it. I think. Yeah. All right. What's next? Sin City says, someone recommended Behind Her Eyes on Netflix the other day. It's pretty decent, compelling, and twisted. Also, Netflix's superb Korean political drama horror series, Kingdom, has an episode, has a special episode, Ashen of the North, debuting sometime this year. Have you watched Kingdom? I have not. It Okay, so there, there are two different shows called Kingdom. One was on Epics just recently with, with uh, one of the Jonas Brothers. What's his name? Um, Nick Jonas. Nick, the one that's on SNL this and week. And the guy who plays Crossbones. Why am I forgetting the guy whose name who plays Crossbones? Oh, that's, that's going to kill me now. Anyway, um, good show f focused on MMA, but mm -hmm. it, it's about an MMA. Oh, um, uh, yeah, can't think of it either, Grilla. but it's Frank a gorilla. Grilla. Thank you. That's what it is. Frank <laughs> Grillo. Like gorilla clicker. <laughs> gorilla. Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo. Yes. Um, and uh, but then there's this other show, Kingdom, that's on Netflix. And my friend Kaori, she told me and and again for a long time. It's this period piece Korean kingdom zombie show where it's like back in the feudal era and there's a zombie apocalypse going across this Korean kingdom. And like the, the king, the emperor is actually been turned into a zombie, but the people are trying to seize power away from his son or hiding the fact that he's. The king's already a zombie. The emperor's a zombie. It's just so it's it's very Game of Thrones. -ish. I want to go to there. It's <laughs> I really, really good. See this. It's really good. What? Yeah. Go on Netflix and just search for Kingdom. Kingdom. Okay. Yeah. yeah and Kingdom. it is. It gets kind of bonkers. Like it's in some ways very very straightforward tropes about the zombie apocalypse kind of thing. Yeah. But then you throw in there this political intrigue of of you know power grabbing and backfighting and all this kind of stuff and people making plays for power, and it is. Really good. I like need it. to see this. You need to I go need home to tonight and check out Kingdom. Yeah, really, really good. Absolutely. Right. What's next? Okay, this is from Miguel Zion. Hey, John, when you and Aaron were talking about TV show theme songs, my mind immediately went to Doom Patrol. In the episode where a negative man and his lover had to separate from each other, then Frank Ocean music played. <laughs> it made me tear up. Have you seen it? I have. The one, the episode that really gets me with music, though, I'm trying to remember the name of the song. It's when they were in the sentient street. I, if you don't watch the Doom Patrol, you're like, what? Yeah, there's a street that is a living sentient being. And what this street does is this street teleports around the world, 
gathering misfits, people who don't date. Now, in this one particular episode, they really use this as an allegory for like uh, gay and gay people and whatever who, through the different eras of time, have been outcast from society. And this street oh. takes them in, and they form their own community here. Oh wow! And then Larry ends up there. Who and Larry, of course, is a gay character in the show, and. They have a singing night, a karaoke night. And he, I try to remember the name of the song, but he bursts into the song with his off. Anyway, when I think of Doom Patrol, I think of that. That, and I, do you watch Doom Patrol? No, no. Oh my goodness. There's a scene, probably the best, the funniest scene I've seen in every, any TV show in the last three or four years. And if you, I won't give it away. If you want to go on YouTube and search for Doom Patrol, I flexed the wrong muscle. Okay, Doom Patrol. Okay. It is one of the most bonkers, ridiculous scenes of a show I've ever seen. And I had to pause it several times. I was laughing so hard. But you should just go look it up. Doom Patrol. I flexed, I flexed the, wrong the wrong muscle. muscle okay. From Doom Patrol. Okay. Go check that out. I got a list in my head, you guys. Right. Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doom Patrol. Let's do this. All right. What's next? Chancellor Henry says the vision slash Wanda scene was so good. Even Agatha wiped away a tear. Yep. Honestly, in Infinity, I didn't care much about vision. Now he's my second favorite character who's going to die four times by the end. <laughs> my favorite was Tony, but the journey was well worth it. And it's true. When you think about it, so poor Vision is going to die four times. He died once in Infinity War. He oh. died again in Infinity War. Now we're in WandaVision, oh, and we got two God. different versions of Vision, and they're both going to die. Oh, you're so right. So WandaVision is going to have to watch this dude die four times. You know what would be cool if maybe she can take a piece of him and like plant a tree in like the real Westview and just have something living of him that'll it, never die? You know it is a piece of metal? <laughs> like, no, but like a seed and then plants. I, I don't know. A vibranium tree. I don't a know. I just tree. Just find, find a way to just make this man live on in some way, shape, or form. It makes me so sad that they keep killing, they keep killing the most him. heart-wrenching poetic character. Uh, oh, I God. love Vision. All right. What's next? Oh, Sam Fisher says, potential spoilers for WandaVision. When Wanda was in-house on her knees, I was expecting her to cry out something like, I can't, I can't, no more. And then that's what she would would active activate the hex, giving us the MCU no more moment from the House of M. I mean, that's I mean, yeah, I could see that. I mean, that doesn't like it's got to have something follow up the no more. Right. Because in the House of M, when she says no more mutants, that spikes off something that changed all of Marvel Comics. Like when Wanda says that in House of M, it literally changed the entire landscape of Marvel Comics. But of course, mutants weren't... Th there were now, instead of millions, there was now, I think, 198 mutants left in the world. There were millions. And now there are 100 and something left. Mm -hmm. And it changed the entire texture of the Marvel comic universe. And so, it's got to be... If they have her kind of mimic that line, obviously she's not going to say no more mutants, but no more something. It has to be something that would then fundamentally change something in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So whether they do or don't, I'm not sure. But if they do, it's got to be something that can't just be a throwaway line. It's got to be something that has impact. All right. What's next? Dakota says, imagine White Vision fully powered up. Then Hayward commands him to do whatever it is he wants White Vision to do. White Vision turns around, looks dead in Hayward's eyes and says, there's no strings on me. Oh, listen, I'll tell you what. 
I completely believe. I, I've Stop not telling me what to do. <laughs> told I've been told nothing. I'm just I completely look. Whenever you get a movie, yeah, where there's overly dangerous technology that somebody thinks I'm sure we can control it, mm-hmm. it never goes. Power right. dynamics not right. So I have a feeling. I don't know this, but in this, at some point, we may see Wanda, uh, fake Vision, her kids, Agatha, Monica. Hayward and Sword all having to join up and try to fight this White Vision. I have a feeling it may end up that White Vision becomes the monster that was let out of the box. Hmm. They thought he could, they could control him. He's not. Hayward says, look, I was just trying to save a town full of people. I was just trying to save everybody in that town. And this was the only uh, way. You made us desperate, Wanda. But now we got to team up and we got to fight this thing. Yeah. And again, I don't know that that's what they're doing. But that's my guess. What it's, do you think they're going to do? It's possible. Now that I think of it, because his power is from uh, the drone that she touched. Yeah. And and mind you, her power is her power. I don't know if the hex, the hex power is a different type of hex power or a spell or whatever. Right. But what if in order to get him to die, she's got to bring down the hex? And yeah. in order to bring down the hex, obviously, you got to let go of your dreams and your husband and your children and everything that gives you life. But... Um, Ooh, suspicions. Yeah. Uh, Don't be suspicious. We are, let's see, hold on a second. I think we are, as of re- this recording, I believe we are 80 hours away. 80 hours away from the final episode of WandaVision, ladies and gentlemen. All right, what is next? Super Stu says, happy birthday, John. Thank you. Yes, I thought the same thing on how could S.W.O.R.D. put Vision back together in a couple of weeks. There's no way. Then my daughter reminded me, Hayward had five years of practice, and the S.W.O.R.D. scene was all a show by Hayward to manipulate. Again, I'm not so sure about Hayward's trying to... I don't believe he's the smartest guy in the MCU or anything like that. (laughs) And again, I get the whole idea about the Vision thing, but again, then it comes to the energy thing. They have no idea what that energy thing is. And they said, let's just plug it into this guy and make it work. I, uh, it's, yeah. Uh, what if they've I, been plugging in things all along? A, a double A battery. <laughs> solar solar power, panels. Uh, manure. Any energy source at all. Look, uh, again, I get it. It's comic book material. At some point, we have to suspend disbelief. I understand that. So whatever. I'm, I'm rolling with it. I'm rolling with it. All right. What's next? Power is power, says Agatha is 300 years old. From her perspective, the kids aren't real, and Wanda is slightly cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yep. End of episode eight. All I can think of is Agatha's basically waving a I got your nose in front of <laughs> Wanda and Wanda flipping the fuck out. I mean, listen, we I think that you raise a really good point, Power is Power, is that we are not taking into consideration that Agatha is kind of like the Highlander. She has been walking around the world for 300 years, maybe longer. I mean, honestly, we we don't even know how old. I don't think they ever said how old she is in the show. But yeah, just because mm-hmm. we saw her in Salem in 1600s doesn't mean she may not have been and, around for even three or 400 years more before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so she obviously ages slowly because I, I don't think it's just me. She did look a bit younger. Just a little I bit think younger. They, I think they digitally did something to make her look a little yeah, bit younger. Yeah, they did. Which tells me that she's aging very, very slowly. So yeah. who knows how long this Agatha has been around? We don't know. And that could power is power. That could come into play a little bit later on. So we will have to wait and see. All right. What's next? Hi, Kettle. I'm Agatha, <laughs> says. I love how Agatha is such a magic nerd. She's super geeked out at this magic witch and wants to learn her secret magic 
JavaScript, <laughs> only to be disappointed that Wanda is actually the living Konomi cheat code <laughs> that legends foretold. Oh, it's great because, and listen, they're both, Catherine Hahn is playing this great I love because it. it's like she's frustrated. It's like you are clearly it, you're the bomb. Mm-hmm. What is it? And she's realizing she doesn't even know how she's doing it. She mm-hmm. doesn't. She doesn't even know basic spells. Mm-hmm. She just is so inherently powerful that it just spills out of her. And you're right. I, I never thought of it in these terms. But you're right. They're playing Agatha like she's a magic nerd. Like, and, and it is. And it's kind of infectious. It makes me like the character even more. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that's mm-hmm. just me. All right. What's next? Power is power. Here we go. One of three. So people have been theorizing that hex vision and vanilla vision. <laughs> I love it. Could magically come together in a magic swirl of Marvel goodness. With all that Wanda's been through, she deserves a Disney princess ending. However, I think people are forgetting. It's not that type of show. There's a monkey's paw here, and this is the origin of the Scarlet Witch. Wanda knowingly and selfishly held a town of 3,000 plus, including children, against their will. Knew they were in pain and had loved and had loved ones themselves. All in this place, they were to grow old together. What's worse than having to accept Vision's death? Finally getting your true vision, the light in your darkness back, reaching for your soulmate's hand, and him stepping back. Oh, 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 oh. oh mm. my. Imagine that. Like, okay, okay look, I, I've been saying, I said a while ago, I think it might have been after episode four or five, I said, you know, I kind of feel like the rest of the show is going to be about vision figure putting all the pieces together and he has, but not to, to as much of a degree as I thought they were going to, but still this very well could be that vision has to fight alongside of her. They have to beat this and this mm-hmm. and this, but at the end one is like, everything's fine now. Right. And vision's like, I can't be a part of what girl, it is girl. you've done. <laughs> Please I, stop. I can't be a part of this. Yeah. What losing her parents, losing her brother, losing vision the one time, is there anything that would be more powerful than literally being rejected by the one she loves? And she's this close because he was like, be good. Yeah. Like that's so like that alone should have like really hurt her feelings. Like you're not with me. Like, no. Yeah. You're not into this with me. Yeah. Oh, that could be so powerful. Power is power. That could be so powerful. All right, uh, what's next? Super Stew says, Fury must have blipped back the same time Monica did. Did you think he's on Sword Space Station by now, shown from the post credit scene in Spidey Far From Home? If so, do you see him intervening with Hayward's plan? Thanks, John. Well, listen, I, I, I'll, I'll say the unpopular thing. I think there might be a possibility Fury's in on this plan with Hayward. Like, think about it. What what did Fury always say? And even when arguing with Captain America in the first Avengers, it's like, yeah, I'm willing to do what needs That's to right. be done to get the job done. That's right. That's what I do, right? And if oh, he is in man. agreement with Hayward that, listen, a vibranium synthesoid sentient weapon on our side is something we need Especially with, you know, Tony now gone and, and, and mm-hmm. Captain America's MIA yep. and all this kind of stuff. This is what we need. Nick Fury is a guy who will do what needs to be done to get the job done. Yeah. And 
honestly, nothing that Hayward is doing. Like, remember Captain America Winter Soldier? When he finally took Cap down to the basement and showed him the helicarriers? Oh, yeah. And Captain America was... He was disgusted at his behavior. Disgusted at this. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Cap's like, hey, that's good that you've got these moral boundaries and everything, but I'm the guy who has to make sure the world stays safe. I'm Mm -hmm. the guy who's got to do make the tough decisions to do things that may seem untasteful, but to get the job done. What has Hayward done that isn't something Nick Fury has done? Right. You know what? You're right. He's just a little bit more of a dick about it. He's just but more there's, of a dick. But there's honestly, there's honestly, in terms of morals and what we'll do to protect the world, there really isn't any difference. Yeah. So it, it's going to be That's a good point. So again, I wouldn't doubt it if he's in on it with them, if it turns out that way. Okay. Anyway, what's next? No Masters says, Vision was grayed out at death. Vision on table was normal color. What if Hayward already built white vision, but couldn't bring him online? He set up fake Vision's part, suspecting Wanda would animate. Then Hayward could bring White Vision back to life. Again, remember, Wanda showed up there spontaneously. She just drove her car there and showed up. Uh, and, and then, you know, last second, he said, okay, let her in. It just seems oh, yeah, that's right. too unlikely. Like, let's put it this way. I will be a little bit disappointed in the writers of WandaVision if that's what they say they did, because that's a little too hard to even suspend disbelief for really so he just he's a mind reader he knew wanda was going to come here and when doing that and he had to have this elaborate thing all laid out for him now that white vision may be a totally new construct yeah it, it might not be made out of visions pieces maybe it's just a, a new thing made on the pattern of vision and maybe it was together the whole time mm. just they just haven't figured out a way to bring it online meanwhile vision's actual body is still laying out there on the table and they're still researching it trying to figure out a way to bring this new vision to life that's a possibility. But I don't think Wanda's role in it was a part of Hayward's plan. I think Hayward was trying a lot to get it done and maybe saw an opportunity once Wanda showed up. But I, I just think it's a little too unbelievable. Even in the fantastical world of the MCU, that seems a little unbelievable. But who knows? Maybe that's what they're going to do. All right. What's next? The Scarlet Jedi says, so Hayward is just the sword director and not Ultron. Monica's scientist friend isn't Reed Richards, but just some dude. And Fiatro is probably some actor from New Jersey. Ah. Wait a minute. Damn it. Who let Rain Johnson into the writer's room? Oh, come on now. It's Ryan, not like, sorry. It's not like the MCU hasn't done that before, right? Like uh, the Mandarin, anybody like Ben Kingsley and Iron Man three great. or things like that. I mean, yeah, listen again. Um, I've said the whole time, right? You know, what this reminds me of this reminds me of people with Game of Thrones. When it turned out, Danny was gone mad and she was actually a jerk. When the mother of dragons turns out to be a jerk. Oh, yes. Was like, Sorry, it's been a while. How come they suddenly made her like that? I got mad because I'd been doing, Ann and I had been doing Game of Thrones post-show mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And I had said for years, <laughs> Danny's a jerk. She's, a, listen to what she's saying in these scenes. She's clearly underneath it all. She's putting on a knife for sun. I said since like season four. Danny is a big jerk and this is going to go bad. People are like, no, no, she's great. She's the mother of dragons. And then when she went bad at the end, people like, like really bad. How did this, she just suddenly turn out bad? She didn't suddenly turn bad. I was telling you for years, it was right there. It was right there. So with the Hayward thing, mm-hmm. I, I've said from episode 
what is it for that he first made his appearance? Episode four, is that it? Yeah. That uh, if you look at what he's actually done, everything that he has said and done not, has yeah. been true. Mm-hmm. Everything he said about Wanda has been 100% true. Except that she actually stole Vision's yes, body. So that was the lie. But other There's than that, lie. yes. Hiding his yes, own thing. But yes. guess what? Fury told a lot of half-truths to hide his secrets as well, right? So, but other than that, everything that he has done, he's got a town of 3,000 people that are being hijacked against their will, mm-hmm. living there. He's trying to go up against a powerful Avenger. And he's trying to think, now, it could turn out that Hayward is nasty, nasty. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I still contend from the beginning, the show has just shown him to be a well-intentioned jerk, a well-intentioned dick. Mm-hmm. Um who who is a, like like Thunderbolt Ross in the Hulk story? He's a good guy. Well, depending on the Hulk story you're reading, but in the movies, he is a Thunderbolt Ross is a good guy. It's just that he's an ass and a jerk and a dick sometimes, <laughs> and I think that's the case. And that turns out to be Hayward. I don't want people to going, but the show was always saying he was evil. No, they were not. I've been telling you they have not been showing him as evil. But we will see. We will see. I mean, there's still listen. Last episode to go. I've had a lot of theories been right. I've had a lot of theories been wrong. We could get in the last episode and every theory I thought was wrong turns out right. And every theory I thought was right turns out wrong. I mean, they could totally flip the script on us with one episode. So let's see where they go. All right. What's next? Jeff at Charles says, hey, 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 no spoilers. After watching episode eight of WandaVision, I started thinking to myself, how sad would it be if Wanda had to choose between her kids and Vision? The answer is obvious. Due to what we already know from Spider-Man Far From Home, it would still be heartbreaking to see. There's no way Wanda would be mentally stable after making a decision like that again, right? Is the answer obvious? It's not to me. To me, it's super obvious, but it's totally opposite from what I think everybody else is thinking. Really? She would chose Vision. I don't know. Like, I'm, look, look, look. Because her mama, she got into mama bear mode, like, really yeah, fast. But, it wasn't but, like, my, my stim is, is mama bear If mode. she had actually become pregnant. Yeah. And if she had actually carried those, those unborn children for nine months. Yeah. And then had those children. And then every day, with care and love and attention and affection, raised them for, how old would we say they are now, roughly? What are they, 10? So, want to say 10 or 11? Okay. Yeah. So, raise them with love and care and affection every day for 10 years. Okay. Yeah. That happens. And she's got to choose between her children and her guy. She's probably going to choose her children. 72 hours ago, these things never existed. These yeah. two little hellions running around never existed is that all it's been gosh they, they, they just didn't even exist she's known these things these, she hasn't had them for 10 years they she she's known them for 72 hours at best <laughs> meanwhile babies. she's known vision for years mm-hmm. and been in love and all that kind of stuff i tough decision maybe a little tough she's a ride or die chick she's see yeah. I, I think she's picking vision if it comes to that i could be wrong Maybe she does pick Vision and Vision says, no, my children. Sorry, Viz, you're not actually their dad. But yeah. I don't know. That's just, that's, I don't know. 
I could be way wrong about that. This is my thought. All right. What's next? MD says, sorry, more Wanda talk, but I wanted to shout out Laura Donnie, the writer of WandaVision episode eight. I counted 18 different viral tweets that had 100,000 likes or more about Vision's grief quote. I looked up the writer's Twitter and she said it was paramount to the writers of WandaVision to not just look at where Wanda has been, but to spend time with her there, to give space and a voice to her grief and to her loss, to which her, to which her to take, watch. to watch her take shape. Sorry. So many feels reminded me of when Thor said, what else can I lose? By the way, before what is grief, but, but uh, love uh, persevering. My favorite line in all the MCU was that Thor line. That to me was one of the most emotionally resonant lines of anything. I thought it was the best moment of Infinity War, um, and uh, like when when Rocket says, "And what if you're wrong?" Like after Thor gives this huge litany list of everything he had lost in his life. I mean, his life wasn't like Wanda, where Wanda's life has been nothing but tragedy. Mm-hmm. Thor's had a lot of great stuff in his life, but also a lot of loss recently. And listing off all the loss. And then it goes, and then Rocket says, well, what if you're wrong? And he says, then what else do I have to lose? That emotionally broke me. And up until what is grief, if not love persevering, was my favorite line in the MCU. Now this one's my favorite line in the MCU. And I think you're absolutely right, MD. Everything that she said there, totally bang on the money. It had for us to really feel the power of those moments. We had to go back and walk with Wanda through that loss and through the tenderness as well to understand the the gravity of her loss. And I think you're 100% right about that and bang on the money. All right, what's next? Sean H. says, hey, John, love you since the AMC days. Thank you, Sean. Can we get a support group for Wanda and Thor? (laughs) (laughs) They both have lost parents, siblings, loved ones, Heimdall, Molnir, and Vision twice. Oh, yeah, that's right. Plus, Thor lost an eye. And Wanda was snapped. Love the show, brother. You are the best. Hey, listen, you've got to have, and we've talked about this before, Sean. You've got to have, for us to look at these people with powers of the gods and to feel it all resonant with them or at all relatable with them, we also have to walk with them in their failures and in their loss. And one of the things, and and it almost seems like the more powerful the character, the more you have to allow us as the audience to feel their grief and their loss and their defeats along the way in order to be able to stay resonant with them. You know what I mean? And you're right. Like MD was just pointing out before that, like with Thor too, like these are characters that are ridiculously powerful, but have also suffered ridiculous loss and being able to experience that loss with them makes it very special. So Absolutely, Sean. Thank you for sharing that thought. And uh, thank you for being around since the AMC days. I appreciate that, man. All right. What's next? Sir Ivan Bennett says, hey, John and friends, you keep saying you don't know how Hayward put together White Vision, but he specifically says that they have taken him apart and put him back together at least five times. I mean, they did have five years to learn. LOL. Sure. Five times over five years. It means once a year. (laughs) I'm just doing math. I'm just doing math. Right? Okay, but I am willing to concede what the what one of the what one of the previous viewers wrote in and, and gave a suggestion that uh-huh. I am willing to concede to that I hadn't thought of. What if the vision that was on the table is not the white vision? 
that is literally Vision's body still there, but they use that from what they studied in the template to build this separate white Vision. They just never been able to bring it online. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense to me. That makes more sense to me. Uh, again, how do they figure to just, hey, uh, this is shining red. Let's plug that Sparky into this thing and see what happens. I don't know. That seems a little odd to me. But other than that, the whole white vision thing, that theory makes me appreciate a little bit more. Ivan Bennett makes me appreciate a little bit more. All right. What's next? Ben Burnside says, hey, John, I wanted to ask you a question about your career in law before movie punditry. Did you enjoy it? I wanted to ask because I I want to do hobbies and careers that aren't exactly the same, that aren't exactly job secure, such as movie blogging or filmmaking. To be honest, but before going into those ventures, I want to establish a career for myself that is more of a backup plan in case I don't financially make it into my own ventures. I want to like my backup career, though. Recently, I was thinking of maybe working. Oops. Recently, I was thinking of maybe trying to one day work as a reporter at The Hollywood Reporter and maybe on my off time do a film venture that I'm passionate about. One thing I heard about with The Hollywood Reporter is that you work a lot of hours. Hold on. I think that's what I think that's it. Okay. Okay. So, um, well, I mean, here's the thing. Look, I'm not a life coach. Surprise, surprise. I'm, I'm, I'm not qualified to be a life coach. Uh, but what I would say is this. Understand like a career you want, any career you're going to go into, it's going to take, if it's something that is worthwhile, will take work and dedication and time, right? Now, I am lucky in the sense that I was going down a career path when I found my love of my movie blogging stuff. And I was able to form and get going on my movie blog. My movie blog was a hobby. You know, the movie blog, which is my blog that I wrote about movies, was was strictly a hobby while I was going to school and working at the same time. So I had no free time during the day. Like, there was a period of time that I was not dating at all. Like, I was in school and working and doing my blog all at the same time. And that took a lot of time. So I was kind of lucky that way. What I would say is this. If you're, I would say, find a career you're passionate about, right? And listen, if it's filmmaking, if that's your career, guess what? There are a lot of careers in filmmaking. Like, <laughs> you may never be a world-famous director, but there are, I know a lot of people in this town, man, that work in film. Uh, some are above-the-line people, some are below-the-line people, but there's a lot of careers, and especially now with all the streaming networks and all the kind of, there's a lot of careers going on. Um, and if you're not worried about being famous, there's a lot of jobs in the film and television industry that you can be a part of and, and whatever. And so I would say, well, then make the two one. Invest in yourself in doing that. Go to film school or go to university. Get the right degree. If you want to become like a producer or a line producer, go get your business degree. There, like UCLA has a specific, I believe, like producer and line producer credit courses you can go and take at UCLA in their film school. The USC has different things. I would suggest, and again, remember, I'm not a life coach or anything, but I would suggest if that's where you want to go, there are careers to be had. And it's not like trying to make it as a Twitch streamer who makes a lot of money. That's less than 1%. That's less than 1% of like Twitch streamers actually make money they can pay their bills with. All right. That's less than 1%. But 
as far as just the industry as a whole, if you want to be involved in that world, there are careers, a lot of them. And so I would say go and look into that. That would be my recommendation. Do you have any kind of thoughts or advice or opinions on that that you would give people? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm in my mid-30s and I just got into film um, almost four years ago. Film has been a passion of mine for a very, very, very long time. And I just got into it as an actor and a host. And I started while I worked in the wedding industry and the mortgage industry, I started a YouTube channel about the power of volunteerism. And on the Which weekends... Which is great, by the way. Oh, thank Which you. Thank you. Um, and I, on the weekends, I would go to events. Even after work, I would go and I would sew into, um, you know, relationships with, with foster youth and with specially abled women. Um, and I remember one time a coworker saw my YouTube and said, this looks like you spend so much time doing this. I had no idea because I would work 12-hour days in mortgage. But you know what? The balancing act and like you said, working like crazy, like my social life was was nothing. I, I really didn't have much of a social life outside of going to movies by myself. But you know what? When I got out of mortgage and weddings and I decided I'm going to full time focus on what I'm passionate about, which is storytelling and acting. And here I am. I'm, I'm going on year four and I can't believe where I am. It's it's so amazing. So it's 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 backbreaking work. It's no sleep, but it's so worth it. So follow your dreams. It's like in, in the uh, words of our 30 Rock friend, Pete Hornberger, it's never too late for now. <laughs> never right. too late, man. Never too late. Good advice. All right. What's next? RPG fan oh, says. I think it's Love, Loss, and Grief. Oh, I'm sorry. Only I don't think, I don't think the title of his thing was colored properly. It oh, wasn't you know right. what? You're right. I'm sorry. I thought that was part of the message. Love, Loss, and Grief says, WandaVision Episode 8 just proved it was all about tragedy and how we deal with grief and loss. It is the perfect inflection point for our time with all of the real-life grief and suffering right now. More of us can understand Wanda's grief and learning to move on. You know, did you ever see... The full title is uh, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Have you ever oh, seen that? Yes, I did. So yes, I did. freaking good, that yes, movie. Yes, I did. And yeah. one of the things that I loved about it so much, it was a study in what happens, what pain does to people. Mm -hmm. It changes you. Mm -hmm. Pain changes you. It turns you into things you never wanted to be and all that kind of, and the whole yes. movie, and it, there are different characters in the movie that that becomes a reflection of what mm -hmm. pain did to this person, what pain did to this person, and the ending of that movie is, oh my God, so they're getting in the car together. We won't give away what it is, but anything So, like wow. But yeah. you're right. Like the Movies and stories become most powerful when they touch on experiences that we can relate with. Mm-hmm. And that includes joys and victories and love and mm -hmm. all these types of things. Mm -hmm. But it's also very powerful when it touches on the other stuff mm -hmm. that we relate with. Yeah. And, and that's to, hard to do. Oh, it's so hard to do. Mm -hmm. And this, then when we come to a character we love like Wanda and a delightful character like Vision, Vision. and it's all about dealing. I, I still remember when this show started, mm -hmm. The Atlantic, which is a great publication, they had a headline, and I'll never forget this. This has stayed with me the whole run of it, and it basically said this. WandaVision is a show about, or is a, is a tragedy. WandaVision is a tragedy about a young woman desperately trying to deal with her grief. 
Mm. One, that was that's what it was. One division, a tragedy about a young woman desperately trying to deal with her grief. One hundred percent true. And I remember reading that headline. And I'm just like, that one headline completely cap. Well, we were only like three episodes in, but I'm like, that one headline completely captures this show. Oh wow! And that was before we realized what was like happening. Happening. Yeah. I cried when last week when they said that. Because when, you know, the line about grief, um, because even with just staying at home, you know, because of coronavirus, kids losing opportunities to go to prom, you know, to the ultimate, which is death. We have all experienced death at different grades yeah. this year. And, and kids who, you know, happy-go-lucky and just enjoying high school. And it's like, I can't do prom. I can't do graduation. I can't do sports. I can't do to so many people that I know that have lost someone to coronavirus. It's so sad. Or yeah. lost a, a grandparent, passed away by themselves in a nursing home with nobody around. People are experiencing grief in, in I don't want to, I, I have no statistics, but it feels like we're all in this together. And that yeah. was the line we all needed. I absolutely agree. All right, what's next? Now, RPG fan says, Hi, JC. WandaVision, WandaVision didn't just lose Vision, but her new family of Black Widow or Captain America. They were all looking out for each other after, after Civil War for yeah. WandaVision. It's a massive loss. She is totally alone. BW or Cap would have gone with her to see Vision. Mm, that's, yeah. I know that's right. I actually think if anyone is going to turn up. It's going to be Doctor Strange. It's magic, and I think she is baddie, but also in pain. Don't forget, he will always be a doctor, and the place that might help her is Tibet. Well, uh, first of all, that is a great observation about that unlike a lot of other people after the end of Endgame, she had, I mean, she had um, Hawkeye, but he's probably gone back to his family. I mean, he that's where he needs to be. Mm -hmm. She is utterly alone. alone. She had been gone for five years, snapped out of existence. The one thing, the two things she had in her life, the main one vision, the other one, her half of the Avengers family. Mm -hmm. And all of that is gone. And she's completely alone. And that's it. And she's got to deal with this on her own. And she's in total grief and pain. And that's why I said once before, and I still kind of think this way, I think when we get to Doctor Strange 2, and we'll know for sure after the end of WandaVision, but I think in Doctor Strange 2, the, the Doctor is going to be both fighting against Wanda while trying to save Wanda. I totally agree. And, yeah. and I think kind of that's the direction uh, they're going with that. And yeah, that pain aspect, that all that kind of stuff, is, is that's really the resonant issue of the whole thing. And I cannot wait to get to WandaVision episode nine but you know what guys for now that will do it for this installment of the companion video listen there are still a number of other a lot of other questions to come from sam robertson uh, michael Cor corleone Suthius. do not worry we will pick up on your questions right away tomorrow on the john campus show when we get the live questions we'll pick up from there uh but for all of you guys who have sent in those questions thank you so much not just because you gave us great fun things to talk about but also when you send in the questions you support this channel as you do it and all of us in here with involved with the john campus show thank you guys very very much for that support 
I also want to thank the wonderful Kimberly Curran for being here. Kimberly, where can people follow you online? So uh, I'm on Instagram. It's under was good Kimberly. And if you want to check out uh, my my YouTube, there's no new episodes right now, but it's called uh, What's Good Kimberly. So Instagram was good K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y. And uh, we'll see you again soon. And thank you to you guys. You guys can follow me on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Simply at John Campia. That will do it for me for now, guys. Please do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. Until next time, guys, my name's John Campia. And until then, bye-bye.